This is Howard Anderson, Managing Editor at Information Security Media Group. Today we're talking with Gary Moon, Security Analyst at Saratoga Hospital. Thanks for joining us today, Gary. Thank you, Howard. We want to talk to you today a little bit about your authentication strategy. Um, First, what was the motivation for implementing new authentication technology there? Well, we have um, multiple systems, as everybody does. Our healthcare information system, which requires a separate login and user account from our uh, Active Directory, and uh, a number of other applications to support our work that all require different uh, authentication. Unfortunately, they're all not made to work together. A lot of people have implemented single sign-on. Because of our environment, that makes it specifically uh, a little difficult and a little more intense to try to implement single sign-on. So we have a technology fair every year, and we present the latest technologies that are possible, and we let the nurses and doctors come through and take a look at them and sort of vote on what they like. And when we did that and included biometrics, basically the response was ballistic for that. People loved the idea of biometrics and logging in with your fingerprint, so we decided to investigate it. I understand that your organization tried several different authentication approaches before settling on fingerprint scanners. Uh, what other authentication technologies and strategies did you consider and reject, and why? We thought about token-based systems. Those were uh, brought to our attention, either a token or a card uh, with a PIN. Sometimes all of those systems basically add complexity to a person's login. We have a hard enough time right now having people feel comfortable just logging in once, let alone adding an additional PIN number and a swipe, something they have to carry. So we knew that tokens would be a problem with user acceptance. They'd have to carry something. They'd have to add probably a PIN in addition to their login. So that wouldn't fly. We also considered uh, proximity devices like badges, implementing something on our current ID badge. But uh, the problem there is that the users really don't value that very much. In fact, if I go down and get a cup of coffee at the cafeteria, I can at any given time in the morning find an employee with five or so badges on their tray and they're buying uh, breakfast and coffee for other employees. If you extend that, it's not too hard to see where they would actually be able to share the badge pretty easily and not think twice about if someone didn't have the right kind of access, they would just give somebody their badge so they'd have that access and it would never be tracked. So we thought the proximity badges weren't a good idea either. And so basically convenience always trumps security, and the fingerprints advantage is tremendous. For instance, uh, there's nothing for them to carry. There's nothing for them to remember. They always have their finger with them, obviously. How'd you go about selecting what brand of fingerprint scanner to use? We did look at a couple that were more involved because they came as a part of a package with single sign-on, and single sign-on wasn't going to work. We selected a company's product when we were sure that we could pilot it easily with a low cost of entry. So what we found was uh, the package we did select, which was Digital Persona, we were able to pilot it in a small group with minimal disruption to our other environment. We wouldn't have to install something that would be really heavily uh, managed. 
it could actually be done on a workstation by workstation basis. And they had a couple models, which included a kiosk model, which allows people to log in quickly and share a desktop, and a workstation model intended for a person who has their own machine that they use all day long and just needs quick access to individual items, private items. And between these two models and the low cost of entry, we thought that was a good way to start out. And the hardware, as it turns out, and the drivers are also being developed to be integrated with other people's software and authentication systems. So we felt it was also a pretty flexible way to go. So rather than having a fingerprint solution tied to a back-end that tries to be a single sign-on, I think one we selected is a lot more flexible going forward because single sign-on market is still kind of shaking out and a lot of vendors are coming and going really fast. So we really aren't settled on a certain brand of single sign-on yet. We're hoping that having selected the product that we do, it'll be able to plug into whatever single sign-on we use down the road. So help us to understand why a single sign-on system wasn't a good fit for you right now. And in the meantime, before you eventually get one, how does, say, a physician use the fingerprint scanner to access the multiple systems they're authorized to view? Single sign-on is still shaking out. The market is still unsettled, and companies are changing their products rapidly. They're getting better, but there's still a lot of companies that are coming and going, and not only that, the single sign-on is, is a major undertaking in terms of management and expense. And our systems also aren't very easy to implement. We're using a uh, healthcare information system called Meditech. Meditech Magic specifically is not the easiest thing in the world to integrate with other systems. So we had those barriers to single sign-on that wanted us to sit back and take a wait-and-see attitude. What our fingerprint system does is it works on the front end. It's not single sign-on, but when the sign-on is as easy as putting your finger down, I kind of coined the term it's effortless multiple sign-on. So basically the users don't don't mind putting their finger down. If we add a back-end system that needs another sign-on, they just put their finger down again. And it's no speed barrier, they need to get in and get out of systems very fast. And this allows them to do that without the back-end single sign-on. And a related question, uh, are you using two-factor authentication or is just fingerprint scanning a single factor? Oh, no, we're not using two-factor. And, and why do you make the decision against using two-factor? Uh, user resistance primarily. Actually, we didn't feel that um, the use of two-factor would be any improvement over the recognition of somebody's fingerprint as a validation that, you know, they are who they say they are. Might you move to two-factor if you eventually uh, move to single sign-on? I really can't see the benefit. Somebody would have to convince us that two-factor provides a real security benefit for us to actually impart on the user the need to put their finger down and use some sort of pin or password. 
we we're really we want to reduce barriers to access to the systems while remaining compliant with security needs. What I like about the fingerprint authentication is it it really does encourage them to be compliant. What we had was a lot of people would jump on each other's sessions to look up patient data. And that was because they didn't want the bother of logging out the one user, logging in as themselves every time. And this does that. If logging in is as easy as putting your finger on a reader and very fast you're in there, people don't mind doing it. People actually enjoy using the system. And to add then what used to be a fingerprint, now a fingerprint and a pin, I don't think that would fly. And I don't think it would gain us enough security advantage to actually be worth doing. How big a factor was compliance with the high-tech act and HIPAA in motivating you to invest in this technology? Uh, that was a lot of it. Um, the high-tech act, especially, uh, we have a better audit trail now than we ever had before when people are using their fingerprints. A lot of the high-tech act has to do with how we manage back-end systems and how we monitor users. Uh, that hasn't changed, but we have a better assurance that users are only accessing records that they, they need to access because we know that they're not jumping on each other's sessions now. How many computer devices now are equipped with the fingerprint scanners and how many physicians and nurses are using them? We have about 3,100 users. Currently, out of uh, 800 PCs, we have 250 of them have the readers and software installed. Out of a total number of licenses, we have, I think the last count was 641 people are registered with fingerprints and are actively using them. So we're about halfway to our goal. Our actual goal is about 1,500 users who would need this system and a total of 700 PCs. And that goal was set because those are your heaviest users of systems, I assume. Those are the ones we identified, yeah that we, we actually need to make it widespread. The, the real goal is to get everybody using this everywhere so that then we can have the software manage their password changes completely. And what that means is uh, there is an option in the software that when it detects a password change, it will automatically change and select a new password based on a certain password strength, which right now we have to rely on the least common denominator password, which is, unfortunately, our healthcare information system. Uh, it doesn't support password complexity. So the users can put in anything they want, and as you know, they'll select the easiest password they possibly can without restrictions. So hopefully, when we get this completely across the board installed, we'll be able to then switch on that functionality and have complex passwords across the organization. The other benefit is people won't be able to share their passwords because after that first password change, they won't even know what their new password is. So just to make sure I understand, I scan my fingerprint and that triggers the appropriate password going off? That's right. It's simply a front-end device which doesn't interfere with the back-end. As far as the back-end knows, this person has this password and just entered it. Very good. Now, as you've implemented the scanners, 
Have you had any issues with difficulty reading any particular individual's fingerprints, or have you had to replace many of the devices that have broken or anything yet? Recently, we had our first problem with a collision where uh, one person's fingerprint brought up another person's authentication. That was easy to fix with a parameter on the server. We used the default false rejection rate, and we just had to tighten that up a bit, and that eliminated that problem. But that was out of, uh, as I said, 641 users, and we had our first one recently. That's after having this in place, rolling it out for a year or more. And occasionally, I should say that we we do occasionally have a handful of users whose fingerprints are just so difficult to read that <laughs> they have a hard time. Usually, they, we have to tell them to put lotion on their hands or something like that. That's a handful of users. Uh, as far as the hardware goes, we haven't yet replaced a reader because of a failure. No moving parts. The LEDs are still working, and they're still accurate. So we, we did replace the original models that we used for our pilot because they were an older model, and the new one, newer ones are built a little more heavy and a little more durable. But it wasn't because of a failure. It was because we wanted to put the new ones in place. So very reliable. The hardware costs are actually very low. What approach to authentication do you use for clinicians who access systems remotely over your virtual private network, and how might that approach evolve uh, in the years ahead? Might you eventually use biometrics for that? We've discussed that. You know. Right now, the physicians simply log in. So they're, they're kind of tasked to remember their username and password when they're sitting at their office and they want to remote connect to our system. Um, there is an option under our current software vendor to actually install on those remote systems of the back end that supports fingerprint reader. And we've used it internally here, so we can connect to a terminal server, and it prompts us for our username and password, and it also brings up the little icon that allows us to put our finger down if we had a reader and log in that way. And we could tell the physician, all you have to do is buy this particular brand of reader, and you can log in with your fingerprint. But we haven't actually deployed that. We've considered it in the future. But that's where very often I know that now they're actually using RFA tokens very often. We don't want to get into the token system. We don't want to use one system for remote access and another system for when they're here. So we would probably pursue the fingerprint or the biometric for remote access as well if the physician's offices were willing to uh, purchase the readers, which are fairly inexpensive. Finally, what lessons have you learned about authentication that other hospitals might apply? One thing I have to say is what's out there is a cookie-cutter approach, you know, a one-size-fits-all. And what I liked about the way we did it was one size does not have to fit all. There are other solutions out there. Uh, Most people would go with a single sign-on right away because everybody's doing it, and there's a rush to it. But I'm glad that we found another way to approach ease of entry into our systems and and maintain the security of them. Biometrics really aren't a future technology anymore. They're common and they're less expensive than they used to be. A lot of people are still thinking that it's, well, down the road, biometrics will do everything. Well, it's actually here. Thanks very much, Gary. We've been speaking today with Gary Moon of Saratoga Hospital. This is Howard Anderson. Thanks so much for listening.